And now please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, we get to turn to one of the most famous canticles of the Bible. Canticle, you say? Yes, canticle, i.e. song. Today's reading includes the great Nunc Dimittis, those words that Simeon says as he holds the baby Jesus in the courtyard of the temple in Jerusalem. For those of you who come from Episcopal or Catholic backgrounds, the words of the Nunc Dimittis should be familiar to you. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. These words come at the close of many traditional liturgies of the church. They go back nearly 1,500 years. They are said or sung depending on the liturgical setting. They're beautiful and memorable words. But there's more to them than simply their liturgical power. They're about letting go, about moving on. And they have an important message to give to us this morning. Very little is said about Simeon in our text. He is a devout and righteous man, someone who lived, who lived his whole life according to the Mosaic law. Some have thought that he was a priest of the temple, but he doesn't seem to be. I prefer to think of Simeon as a faithful person, someone who comes to church or synagogue every Sunday, someone who's stuck with his faith through the ins and outs that life brings him. He's done what he can for his community, and now he's waiting for a sign from God that all will be well, and he can move on. Then when Joseph and Mary and the infant Jesus appear for Mary's purification and Jesus' dedication in the temple, the Holy Spirit nudges Simeon. In the baby Jesus, he sees the future of the faith. He can rest easy that things will be okay. It is the day that he has been waiting for and praying for. Amidst all the craziness and confusion of his day, there is a bright horizon ahead, and his work is done. I can't help but think about our own need from time to time to be like Simeon, to let go, to move on, to be at peace. For many of us, and I certainly put myself in this category, there can be a great reluctance to let go of something that we've done for many years. I think back to my time as a chaplain at Harvard, immediately following my divinity school. I began working as the undergraduate chaplain there at the University Church, Memorial Church. The job was a great one for many reasons. Having gone to Harvard as an undergrad, I knew what it was like to be a student there. The places, the sights, the experience, the stresses were all familiar to me. When I spoke to students, I could relate to them. I also had a burning desire to make the chaplaincy there more effective. You see, when I was in college, I would attend church at the, at the college chapel most Sundays. I loved hearing the incredible sermons. The Reverend Peter Gomes, the preacher to the university, was one of the most respected preachers in the country. And here's the fun thing, whenever he wasn't there preaching, there'd be a visiting preacher who was inevitably excellent, who brought his or her best game. In addition to the preaching, there was beautiful music, and a traditional Protestant liturgy. But one thing that was lacking <laughs> was any real outreach to undergrads. The undergraduate chaplain was rarely seen around campus or at any student events. When I started at Memorial Church, I vowed to change that. So for three years, I, that I, so for the three years that I worked there, I did my best to get to know as many students as possible. It didn't matter at all to me whether someone attended church or not. 
After all, <laughs> there were only a couple dozen undergraduates who would attend any given Sunday out of a student body of 6,500. I knew if I wanted to minister to students, I had to meet them where they were and not wait for them to show up at church. I vigorously advertised the various ministries we had for undergrads, which included waking up at 6.30 in the morning to be ready to put up posters on the, desi on the designated boards as people, the sort of janitorial staff, took down the old posters at 7 a.m. twice a week. If you waited too long after 7, there would be no space left. It was like a race, me against the undergraduate student groups, to post our various flyers. And when winter came, my fingers would freeze as I taped one piece of paper after another to those boards. But you know what? It did make a difference. I got involved while I was there at the Harvard Square Homeless Shelter and did tutoring in prisons uh, alongside Harvard undergrads. I advised the evangelical students or their monthly theological magazine, which they called Ichthus. I led fellowship groups and our monthly Compline service in the evenings. I started a service on Sunday evenings specifically for undergraduates that met every Sunday. I became a junior fellow of my old undergraduate house, which allowed me to get involved in, a wide, in the wide array of activities there. And starting my second year, I worked as a freshman proctor, which meant I lived with 36 first-year students, imagine that, advised their academic work, and ate meals with them. Every morning, I would put my food tray down next to a new student or group of students and introduce myself. Then I would return to my office and look them up so I could remember their names the next time that I saw them. Day after day, I worked. And I worked hard. And when it came time to leave, it was a difficult decision to make. I'd worked there for three years around the clock to build up a healthy undergraduate ministry. By the time I left, I knew as many undergrads by name as anyone else on campus. I knew it was time to leave professionally, but it was hard to let go. I doubted, with good reason it turned out, that my successor would work as hard as I did. What would become of all the work I had done? Was I turning my back on the undergraduates to leave? Letting go was hard. Now, I'm sure you found yourself in similar situations. Perhaps like me, it was difficult to leave behind the work you had done at your job. You thought it would be good to move on, but you had a hard time seeing someone else do things as well as you who had, or in the same way you had. You had a passion for your work, but would the next person have that same passion? Perhaps you felt the same way at church. You diligently worked as a deacon or a trustee or on another board or committee. You built up great activities, did important work on behalf of the church. Could you really leave it behind? Especially since, so much of your, especially since you have so much deep institutional knowledge, knowledge that would go with you? It's a feeling that most parents have at some time or another as well. Your children are your babies. No matter how old they grow, they will always be your babies. You do whatever you can to help them grow and mature into the people you want them to be, the people you know they can be. But at a certain point, you have to step aside and let go. It's up to them to make their own mistakes and to chart their own path. You know it's the right thing to do, but oh, how hard it can be sometimes. And I'm sure Simeon's felt the same way. Simeon was the wise one who had been holding it all together. He was the one that people looked to for advice and guidance. He was the loving parent. 
But he also knew that there was a time, a time to let go. The good news is that there are tremendous benefits to letting go, moving on and closing a chapter in your life. The first benefit is the humility of it. It takes a lot for us to acknowledge that we're not indispensable. (laughs) This is especially true when we care deeply about something and are also proud of our work. The more we work at a particular task, the better we become at it, the more likely we are to think that without us, things will collapse. The reality is that they won't. They will find a way to carry on. It might not always be perfect or smooth or the way you would do things, but things will still carry on. It reminds me of that famous quotation by Charles de Gaulle. Don't think of yourself as indispensable or infallible. The cemeteries are full of indispensable men. It's true. When I left my position at Harvard, they carried on. It was different for sure, but the same ministry is going on today and going on quite well. I think of one of my good friends here in Houston. He is a partner at a major accounting firm. And for years, he thought that his goal was to be the managing partner for his practice. That was what he had set his eyes on for so long. And when the time came for him to put his name forward, he spent a long time thinking about it. Then he surprised me by saying he wasn't going to go for the position. When I asked him why, he showed both his humility and his perspective on life that came with his more age. He said, the other candidates are good candidates. They'll do a fine job. And then he paused and added, there are other things that I want to devote my life towards. Other things that will make me happier in the long run. I was so impressed by his response. It was the response of someone who knew himself and also knew those around him. As time has gone on since that decision, he hasn't regretted it one bit. He has been happier and more at peace. A little humility can do that. Sometimes it's good to let go. Another big benefit of letting go can be for your own health and well-being. All of us, even those who are great at what we do, need time to step back. When I worked at the church in Ames, Iowa, I was convinced that if I took time off, then everything would fall apart. I worked myself to the bone nonstop. Even when I knew I was burning myself out, I didn't let myself take any real break. But I needed it. Oh boy, did I ever need it. Then when it became obvious how badly I needed it, how burnt out I was, how much of an impact that it was having on my health, by then it was too late. By that point, I realized I needed to step away entirely. I wonder what would have happened if I had actually listened to my body or to those around me. Now, life has taken its own turns, and I don't regret things in Iowa, but I certainly did learn a lesson. Even though we have a busy month ahead in in the church this January, I'm happy to take time away for this week. I need the time off. (laughs) I plan to enjoy every moment of it. Letting go is also good for others and for the organization. One thing I love about working in churches is seeing people step up into roles and seeing them thrive. Churches give people the opportunity to try new things and explore skills they didn't even know they had or would enjoy. How great it is to see how those various gifts show up in church. I'm sure you've noticed it. Each event has its its own new elements or flavor. New volunteers find new way to do things. Sometimes the new ways don't stick around, but there is health, real health for an organization to have new people step up. That's one thing I enjoy about our calls to offering here at FCC. 
I get to hear about someone else's faith journey and see how his or her own personality comes through in the process. I get to see them step up and show a bit of themselves. I love when we do creative worship, and I hope to do more of that this year once we're back in the meeting house. Think of all the things we can do. We have so much talent here at FCC. The organization needs a regular turnover of people in leadership. It's good for everyone. And it opens the door to new things for you and for others. The question that arises when we think about letting go is when we should do it. When's the right time for a parent to step back? When's the right time to find a new job or a new activity or volunteer position? How do we know? The story of Simeon can give us some help. Of course, sometimes stepping back is obvious. Sometimes we feel, our, we feel in our hearts that it's time to let go. And we know that to be the truth. Sometimes we find ourselves burnt out and not enjoying things like we once did. That's a sure sign that, it's, that the time has come to move on. Sometimes our energy is flagging, which is always a good thing to observe and consider. Other times we move on to something else, some other opportunity, because that opportunity lures us to something new. But still other times we are like Simeon, and we're waiting for just the right sign. What strikes me about our passage is that Simeon knows it's the right time when he sees the child. He doesn't say it's the right time when Jesus is a grown man or when his reputation has spread far and wide throughout Palestine. He sees the child and he knows he can step away. All will be well in Israel. It's an important lesson for us as well. The time to step away, to let go, is often sooner than we think. We don't need to wait until everything is all right and all the preparations are perfect. The time to step away is when you see people stepping forward. You can see the talent they have. You can look at your children and you can assure yourself that you have done what you can. The time has come. You can see some great new volunteers and new members at church and know that their eagerness and dedication will help guide them and help everyone involved. You might need to help here and there, but you can trust that they will figure it out. I think back to my high school headmaster. Tony Jarvis had revolutionized my high school from when he became headmaster in 1975, and for 30 years, he ably led the school. When he turned 65, even though he was full of energy, he decided it was time to retire. It wasn't that he had done all that he set out to do, and, certainly wasn't that there, was, it certainly, and there certainly was more to do, but he knew he had done his part and that there were others whose time had come. In fact, he already had a successor in mind and knew that he would do well. Tony Jarvis went on to have a great next 10 years teaching in other capacities. His stepping away didn't mean that he was done with his work. It only meant that that particular work was done. And the school that he loved so much and dedicated his life to has thrived ever since. In this Christmas tide, when we celebrate new birth and new things, and we look to a better 2021, <laughs> and all that the new year will have in store for us, let us remember the gift of Simeon and his example. Let us take time to restore ourselves with time away. Let us think of perhaps one thing that we can let go of in the new year. And as we do so, may we remember to embody the love that Simeon saw in that small child. There's much to do. By learning to let go and doing so with love, we can work with others in new pursuits, refreshed and energized, 
for the great work that God is calling us to do, calling you to do.